0: Welcome back. It is episode six of the Mars Hill Sports Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Jones. We are here today. We had an awesome interview with Harmon Dayall. Make sure you check out the timestamps. We also had a Spartans wrap up. I'm starting to lean towards the idea of doing these episodes a little more weekly. Um, I think we've gotten some great feedback, and I've got so many guests lined up. So be Ready for next week's interview, we got Adam Schreimer, former TW volleyball player coming on. Today, we had Harmon Dale of The Athletic Vancouver. He's also a former Trinity Western University student. He is one of the biggest names in the sports journalism sphere of Vancouver, and it was an awesome experience. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic already, I subscribed a couple weeks ago. It is 100% worth it. It is basically Bleacher Report, but way better with the best writers in the game. So this is 100% worth worth your subscription. It does cost a monthly fee, but I can assure you, you will love it. So make sure you guys listen to that interview. It was awesome. And yeah, without any further ado, let's get right to that interview. Today we have, often dubbed as the boy genius, a former student at Trinity Western University and one of the most notable names in Vancouver's sports journalism scene, Harmon Dale. How we doing, Harmon? Pretty good, Tyler. How are you? Thanks
1: for that. Uh, uh, thanks for that intro. Makes you like uh, I've accomplished something so far. <laughs>
0: you have. You have. You are like you're. You're kind of. You're. You're such an interesting character in the Canucks journalism scene because. The boy genius, Harmon. How how old are you? I'm nineteen. Harmon is nineteen, and he's already been hired on for the Athletic Vancouver as one of the primary writers for the team, which is honestly like the coolest thing. So, you you have accomplished something that's for sure. Thanks, man. Yeah, Thanks. No Appreciate problem. That. Hey, you're very welcome. Anyways, Harmon, I like to try start off with a bit of a fun question every time um my favorite podcast is the bill simmons podcast have you ever heard of it
1: i've heard of it i have not listened to
0: it yeah it's it's more focused on basketball and the nfl he doesn't talk much hockey 31 thoughts is a close second for me with elliot friedman um but what's your what's your favorite podcast if you're a big podcast listener at all
1: uh, I definitely was a lot more last year because I had to like I'd have like a forty-five minute commute every day um, to to university and back. Okay, uh, not as much anymore. So I cycled through I think like four or five different podcasts: uh, Thirty One Thoughts, um, obviously the PatCast, um, uh, the the Leafs Geeks podcast with the Intellig. It's not yeah. even that I'm a, a a Leafs fan; it's just I really like. Um, Ian Tollick is a, a close friend of mine. Okay. Uh, Staff and Graph podcast, another podcast with Ian, um, with Rachel Glory, um, who's uh, worked with uh, the New Jersey Devils that is basically just around the league trying to trying to look at um, interesting hockey topics with an analytical uh, twist to it. Um, the Hockey PDO cast, okay. um, there are a lot. So yeah. I think out of those, probably um, the one I most listen to now is – is probably 31 Thoughts.
0: Okay, yeah. I think 31 Thoughts is such a safe bet as a hockey fan. Like, Elliot Friedman is the man. I love listening to him talk about the NHL. His insight is just next level. And he's also, it's kind of cool, because he's, like, one of those guys that's, like, the first to hear news. Him and Bob McKenzie, Darren Drager, are all, like, the first guys to hear about, like, big moves happening and stuff. So, obviously, he's got so many connections in the game right so he he's such an interesting character um but moving on here when did the dream of being a big sports writer start to kick in and like at at your age this is such an impressive feat but when did this when did this start
1: uh i'd say for me i think the biggest thing was i was a huge canucks fan growing up and so for me um, I just made a Twitter account when I was 13, and I tweet a lot, yeah. and along the way, uh, I got asked for uh, Van City Buzz, which is now Daily High Vancouver, Yeah. just to write, because they were building up their sports department at the time, one article, like, every few months, okay. and so um, I did that throughout high school, so it was very sparingly that I ever wrote, and it usually honestly like i I look back at that work sometimes it probably wasn't very good yeah yeah. uh, but it was just a way for me to get my feet wet and then in my senior year of high school grade 12 uh, i started taking it a little bit more seriously i said i i just sort of thought about it and said that you know this is my passion and yeah uh from that point on i started up in the blogosphere um at the canuck way and okay through through that year i I must wrote like one article per week and then i just slowly started building a following um i got really got into analytics um and then so it was at that point i think that i realized that i really enjoyed uh writing and and breaking hockey down and so i think it was at that point senior year of high school when i when i thought to myself that i probably want to take this uh Uh, seriously as a potential career
0: path yeah that's so cool because it was so recent too like because you 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 were in your first year of university last year right yeah okay and then all of a sudden in your first year you're gaining so much traction as almost like not only just a writer in canucks twitter i guess the canucks twitter scheme but as, like, a personality, too, being, like, dubbed as the boy genius. So I thought I thought that was so cool how it's, like, of all these, like, big names, like the J-Pats and the Botchfords, there's just this one 19-year-old guy who actually turns out to go to Trinity Western University, same school as I did, and is just absolutely running Canucks Twitter, which was so cool. So, yeah. That that's unreal. But what what was your experience at Trinity Western University like? Cuz you completed one year there and then you got this offer you couldn't pass up on. So could you tell us a little bit about your experience at TWU?
1: Yeah, uh, Trinity was great. I actually was fortunate enough I I basically had. I was in the same program as my best friend from high school. And so it was really fun from that perspective because we had all the classes together. Okay. Um, and obviously it's, you know, I like the, the small class sizes um, and, and just the, the whole, I guess, relationship between uh, the profs and uh, the students was, because of that smaller size, um, yeah. uh, a little bit more personal and a little bit more unique. So it was almost kind of like
0: an enhanced high school setting in yeah for sure um and yeah so I, I really enjoyed it there were always tons of great
1: resources um you know I love the fact that there were a ton of because I commuted and so did my friend we didn't live on res but there yeah. were just so many events and uh opportunities like you'd have colleg- collegiums on on uh, campus yeah to hang out at mm-hmm. it was just a great vibe overall on yeah. campus and Um, I definitely enjoyed my time at Trinity.
0: Yeah it's cool how like inclusive Trinity is no matter what group you're coming from and where you're coming from there's so many like different personalities around campus it's pretty cool because I think being someone who's lived on residence all three years I've I've never known what the commuter life is like but all the commuters I've talked to are like it's awesome like the collegiums are great and I think I, in my first year, I, like, volunteered at a collegium event, and I was like, man, like, this is a pretty sweet community going on here, and, like, that's, like, I think that's so cool that even though you were commuting to school, you still, like, felt that huge sense of community, which is what Trinity tries to push so much, so what was the exact program you were in? Was it, like, a media and sports writing kind of thing?
1: No, it's funny. I was actually so I had decided that I wanted to do uh, obviously like getting into the sports media side of things was my passion, but um, on the side, just as like a backup, something something to have to fall back on. um, I was in uh, the nursing program. Oh, really? So yeah, so that's where I started uh, last year, and then obviously uh, I had to step out of the program uh, to take this, but that was, that was sort of the plan was to work on, uh, work through that program on the side. And then, um, I didn't imagine, um, again, I was really fortunate to have the opportunity, um, at this, at this soon into my sort of career. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did not imagine that, like, I figured I'd at least have enough time to finish my four years, but, yeah. uh, uh, here I am. And, yeah, I'm just fortunate and, and thankful for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's sweet, man. Going on to your job uh, at The Athletic with The Athletic Vancouver, what is what does it look like on a week-to-week basis for you? Before the interview, we were talking a bit about whether you travel to games and you go to all-home games, right? Yeah. Okay, so what does what like, the week-to-week basis look like for you in that job in maybe let's say a week where there's only two games kind of thing
1: yeah it sort of depends whether the team's playing at at home or whether they're, they're on the road and uh the way it works is uh, myself and, and my colleague thomas Stratz, who also came over to the athletic full-time this year uh he tends to take more like we split the road games mm-hmm. so between the two of us we're usually we have um athletic representation at Almost all 82 games, um, he takes on most of the road ones okay. because he's more experienced. He's been in the industry for 10 years. Um, uh, for myself, I think I'm doing six to eight road games total for the year, so not a okay. lot. And so, if the teams, for instance, like if you're talking about two two games in a week and they're at home, uh, they're probably going to be practicing at least once or twice. So, um, on game days, for myself, usually show up. Um, for the morning skate, and yeah. you talk to some of the players. Um, you the coach has game day availability, Travis Green, and um, and so you sort of just grab the quotes that you need. Yeah, um, for sure. it depends on if you're doing the game or not. But um, and then later that night you might come up come to the arena at six o'clock, um, and then yeah you take in the game, and cool. it sort of depends whether you're writing the post game or not because we uh, amongst us at the athletic, we split that responsibility. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, but either way, like within, within like two minutes of the game ending, the locker rooms opened up and the players are there. Um, so they, you have the media scrums. you yeah. grab the quotes and audio you need. Um, and then you go back up to the press box and you write. And then, so you've probably done maybe 1230, sometimes even like one o'clock, um, at the arena. Okay. And, um, yeah, so game days can be a little bit hectic. Like, you're only going to focus on doing game related stuff, um, which for myself, like, I write three articles a week. Yeah. Um, And so I have to work on features. And, and so, a lot of that practices are great opportunities. Like, you come to 11 o'clock and, um, and, and you talk to the players after the game, and it's, yeah. uh, or after the practice, and it's a lot easier of an environment to talk to them because they're not locked in. Um, as far as they've got their game day ritual and things like that.
0: Yeah, for um, sure. So
1: yeah, then you go to practice and um, yeah, and then for myself, i I mostly just write from home. Um, and cool. so from that perspective, I think if if the team's at home, um, maybe you have a little bit less time to write from um, from the confines of your house. but otherwise, if they're on the road, like if they're on a week or two week long trip, um, and you're not on it, then it's mostly you've got a lot of freedom to um, just write at your own pace, and that's when you really kick it up a notch, uh, just as far as putting some content out there.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Um, so you're you're saying that you have a lot of experience talking to some of the Canucks personnel players and staff. What, who's been your favorite to interact with so far?
1: Uh, I'd say Troy Stetcher, just Troy because Stature. he... Uh, yeah, Stetcher is, he's obviously a local guy. Yeah, but more he's than from, anything, from
0: think, Richmond, right? Yeah, 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 and he he's really easy
1: to talk to. He um, is a genuinely nice guy, and he's someone who is really frank and open. Like, a lot of times, um, it's hard to get non-cliche um, quotes from players because yeah. they it's not really their fault, they just are kind of guarded and don't want to say anything that comes off the wrong way, uh, but with Stature, he gives you great stories all the time that you can use, um, he genuinely tries to give you his honest thoughts and opinions, and, and he tries to give you um, a good quote and so, you can talk to him, obviously, like, off the record he's always great to talk to, and yeah. then when you're doing an in- interview or something um, to I, I like going to him just to get the overall gauge of sort of the locker room and the
0: atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. Um, he can give me a little bit of insight into, okay, how's, how's the team bonding pro- process looking like? Huh. Um, and, um, and and he gives really good insights on other players too, huh. just from his perspective.
1: Um, like if Pedersen does something really sick, or like I want to talk to him about Pedersen skating, or he or uses puck skills, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uses, or He Sorry, yeah, Stetcher's great at giving that insight. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'd say he's definitely been um, the favorite, but otherwise, like, most of the guys in the locker room, like, I haven't had um, a bad interaction really with anyone. And so I guess you sort of try and figure out, like, I think for the most part you want to stick to talking as much as possible to the uh, players that fans want to hear from. Um, so obviously like the core guys, but Jay Beagle's another example of a player who he's always in a great mood Yeah, I heard um, he's, he's just an absolute
0: jokes. beauty He, he is yeah. for sure like, and, um, and, he, and he's someone who like you even see him down the hall and, and he'll give you a big old smile and, and you know rip you for a joke or like That's unreal Just say hey, what's up, man? Like,
1: you know, so um, and he, he, he obviously has great stories to tell as well. So um, I'd say a lot of great personalities in the room. Um, it's a good group of guys. You definitely don't feel intimidated or, or scared or, or put off by anyone in the
0: room. That's uh, nice. That's for sure. I think that's so cool. Stetcher being one of the younger guys or maybe middle of the pack regarding age in that locker room as being one of the most open guys i feel like that's usually uh an older player's role to be so open with like gauging how the team is because they've kind of like earned that earned that respect they've been here before but stature being so open right away that's 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 quite contrary to what how it usually goes
1: um i'm not quite sure about that i'd say the one thing with stature is he's been around the team like this is his fourth season yeah, um, in Vancouver yeah. and there's been um, a lot of roster turnover. So as far as longest tenured Canucks, um, as it stands on the current roster, like he's probably pretty high up there and obviously you yeah. have guys like Adler and Taneb and
0: Horvat
1: and who are also, uh, among that group. But I think a lot of times I think from, from a veteran standpoint, um, like, they just, like, Edler's there's a perfect example of someone, really nice guy, but he just doesn't, like, he's kind of, I don't know if shy is the right word, but he just doesn't like to talk much.
0: Bit of a reserved um, guy.
1: Yeah, he's yeah. really reserved.
0: Okay. So if you want
1: something, um, I think it's a combination of the fact that Stetcher's A, uh, one of the longest tenured guys on the roster, which yeah. it, it's sort of, I get where you're coming from, where it's contrary. Um, like, you usually don't have a guy in your mid-20s in that sort of a capacity but uh, also the fact that he is really open and he is really comfortable um with the media and he yeah again because he's um a local guy and because he grew up a vancouver fan he's someone that um the rest of the market can sort of uh, resonate with a little bit as well like i was talking to him the other day uh, just about he posted a picture on instagram um, from the home opener of him on the blue line next to Todd Bertuzzi and Daniel Sedin, yeah, when um, when they had all all the different players from from the different areas come out on the ice, yeah, that was unreal
0: um, when Todd Bertuzzi skated out.
1: Yeah, and so that was one of the examples where it's like you because Stature was a huge fan of those guys growing up. He's talked about oh, like you know how he's gonna frame that picture, you know how cool and surreal the moment it is. Yeah, um, and so it's just like. You, it's just a
0: combination of things but yeah he's um he's definitely one of the best to talk to that's awesome i know you had a relationship with the recently passed jason botchford his unexpected passing truly rocked canucks nation was he one of the biggest role models throughout your journey to where you are now
1: without a doubt yeah and he was like the like, I can honestly ask for a better mentor. Yeah, and someone who, like you talked earlier about the fact that I was really able to build out not only my writing but my yeah. um, personality, and obviously the nickname comes from uh, Jason Botchford. Yeah,
0: I remember. I remember and him.
1: Every...
0: I remember him like calling you "boy genius." I don't remember where it was. I'm pretty sure it was just on Twitter or something.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like Well, and that was the thing because he would. Pump, pump, me up, and like, and be in that sort of a situation where he just kind of advocated and, and pushed my work and
0: yeah.
1: sung my praises like on every platform, whether it was on Twitter, um, the Athletes which everyone loved, uh, TSN 1040 on the radio. Yeah, uh, it was like he was just always there, there for me and, and pushing for my brand. And there's, there's absolutely no question in my mind that I'm not here with this opportunity if it's not for um, all that he did for me. Um, and even behind the scenes, it's not just like, oh, he pulled my tires up, but he was always yeah. there um, helping me form ideas. Um, and he slowly, as the season went on, like in January, um, that was, I think he, while I was still in school, he messaged me one day. He's like, hey, like you should get, opportunity, like, you should come out to the rink one of these days, and and get acclimated to talking to players and coaches. That's so cool. And learning how how to, um, you know, ask questions, do an interview, and and get good quotes, and so he walked me through that entire process. Um, Like, I didn't even have to put, he just organized everything for me, like, and, and for me, it was just, like, show up, have your questions ready, and he helped me out, introduced me to people, like, it was just, he made things so easy for me yeah um, I feel so lucky and so honored to have had the opportunity to to work with him for for the year that I did
0: yeah that's so cool having like the biggest guy I'd say the biggest Canucks journalist taking you under his wing that that is surreal and I was actually at the tribute for Botchford night this summer I, I think it was a couple days before the draft which I was at as well and that was crazy seeing how many people were affected not just on a Canuck standpoint but like a life standpoint from the guy like everyone loved him I never had a an interaction with him but everyone I know who has has been like he's he was just the most stellar guy and that like no wonder this has been such a huge loss for Canucks Nation it's it's been it's been crazy seeing like the Twitter profile pictures these tribute for Botchford nights I remember there was like a standing ovation uh, for JPAT when he was talking about Botchford and that went on forever it felt like I don't know if you remember that but It was it was so cool. Such a cool moment seeing how like even just fans of a sports team can not only come together for the players or the coaches on an NHL team, but for a sports writer. It's just so cool that like he must have been a special, special guy.
1: For sure. And it's all about like he builds a a really special connection with the audience with the Canucks Twitter sphere and it's because like he, he was like, it, 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 he wasn't like your typical journalist. And it's like when you hear him on the radio, hear him on the podcast, it was like, it was like you were in that room with him. Exactly. And it was like one of those things where like, you're just yeah. talking hockey in the basement with your friends yeah. type thing. And it, he had that really casual, but like he, he had that casual vibe, but it was like he was really, really passionate about it.
0: Yeah. And
1: like and, and with the views that he had, like he people resonated and connected with his views, with his standpoint, with his passion. And like it's it's like Botch represented, um, in many ways he was sort of like a representative for the fan base. Like he was the people's voice in a way. And that's yeah. why People grew such a deep connection was because he because he was that voice for them, and, and because he was always interacting with people. and The and the Athletics was a trademark example. Exactly. Of, hey, this is my this is my best product. This is my this is my fastball, yeah, so to speak. And you guys are, are an integral part of it, the
0: community. exactly.
1: And that's and that's why it was such a, a, a special bond they built.
0: Yeah. Before we move on, we're going to go to a quick break, and I'm going to talk to you guys about TW Recreation and the cool things that they are doing on campus at Trinity Western University. As many people know, or maybe you don't, Recreation at Trinity Western University has undergone rebranding this year. Many students and faculty may view this as a silly name change or even as pointless, but it's more about that than just the title. Rebranding rec services to recreation was not just a way to refresh or wash away the roots of the group, but was a purposeful and intentional act that aims to develop and build community around recreational activities and events. At the end of the day, recreation is more than just a service provided on campus. Recreation strives to provide students with fulfilling experiences and opportunities that are inclusive active and fun. The members of Recreation understand that the change can be difficult, but they're also attempting to navigate the change as seamlessly as possible to best provide a recreational aspect to campus for the student body. Although it is easy to revert to the previous Rec Services title, as I might have done earlier, or people may be unaware of the change entirely, it is important to recognize the students and staff members who are working to create this new brand Under recreation as they are providing opportunities for you on campus to demonstrate how much this rebrand means to the recreation team old rec services gear may be exchanged with new recreation sweat if it interests you you can contact us on Facebook and Instagram via direct message at TWU recreation at TWU recreation hopefully there's now an understanding of where we're coming from on this angle and that there is a clarification that it isn't just about the title. It's about the experience for you, the students. Let's get back to that interview. so harman i feel like we had to get here at some point but how about them canucks right now it has been a great year so far and what are your thoughts on the game tonight as the canucks enter tonight's tilt against the chicago blackhawks
1: yeah i mean chicago is they're they're in a bit of an interesting position yeah with um their team building phase it's um, one of those, they're trying to reintegrate and reju- rejuvenate that core. They're starting to introduce some of their younger players. They've yeah. already got their third overall pick, Kirby Doc yeah. in the lineup. Um, obviously, Alex Brinkett has been a superstar. They acquired Alex Nylander, yeah. um, Dylan Strom. So there's a bit of a, a youth movement yeah. in Chicago right now. But they've also, of course, got the... Stars from that 2010 group, albeit they're not the same. With, exactly. Um, of course, Duncan Keith, Jonathan Daves, Patrick Kane, uh, Corey Crawford, Silenette. So they got a good goal in tandem between um, Crawford and Leonard. Their defense is pretty suspect. Yeah. Um, they're definitely a, a run and gun offensive team that um, has their share of defensive warts. Uh, looks like Crawford starting tonight, which for the Canucks is probably
0: better I'd say how so Leonard has been. yeah most definitely that was a good yeah, that was so, a good move but, by Chicago to pick up Leonard this summer I think they needed that absolutely because Crawford hasn't been Especially healthy at the price point exactly yeah, Crawford hasn't beat, been healthy man. forever
1: yeah and so you look at the game tonight um that's always a tough building to play in the yeah center um so I think from Vancouver's perspective, they've got a back-to-back next night in Winnipeg, and yeah. then Sunday
0: afternoon game. So their schedule is going to be pretty tough.
1: Yeah. Or just time-wise, there's not a lot. It's a quick turnover from games, and uh, so I think from Vancouver's perspective, it would be really nice if they could pick up uh, two points and and coming off of a good performance um, against the blues where sure they didn't pick up the two points, but they held the territorial advantage. Yeah, for sure. Um, They, they found ways to stick in a game that, I mean, everyone talked about it, having a playoff atmosphere and there was just no open real estate. And it's one of the games last year where if you have that type of, um, type of a, a situation where, where the Blues are taking away the middle of the ice, they're preventing the Canucks from being able to attack through the neutral speed. Uh, Vancouver would have struggled in that type of a game last year, but they've added some size on the wing, yeah.
0: they're better on the forecheck, for they sure. manage the puck better, um, they're tighter in their zone defensively, so 100%. they're a lot better suited for um,
1: a matchup like that, so I think from everyone's perspective, they're going to be confident coming out of that game, and um, they're definitely going to be hoping to take that forward um, into the game against Chicago, which honestly could be a little bit of the opposite. It could be a
0: bit of a, a run and gun. Yeah, exactly. Um, with a, a little tight, uh, with a little
1: looser defensive play from both sides. Yeah, so I think um, that'll be a test where, where I think from Vancouver's perspective, they'll de- they'll definitely want to uh, play with some pace tonight and, and catch the Blackhawks on their
0: heels yeah for sure and one guy to watch for tonight he's not on Vancouver but Adam Boakvist I think he was the 10th overall pick in the Quinn Hughes draft yeah, yeah he's come up too yeah he, and, and he's an electric talent oh he is a good player I've wa—I've that's one player I wanted to watch throughout the year because I remember he was kind of like almost the Vasily Podkolzin of that draft in the sense of A low floor, but a very high ceiling, and I've loved watching him so far, and I think he's definitely looking good. I think he'll shape up to be a great pro. Of course, I'm still biased, and I think Quinn Hughes is unreal. He's revolutionized that first power play.
1: Yeah, he's been a huge component, whether it's with uh, power play entries and the fact that his... His ability to, in the drop pass formation, he can just take it into the zone himself. That yeah. makes it a lot, um, a lot less predictable. And you saw it in the Washington game where the the Capitals forwards hung back in the neutral zone and he just burned them on the outside and set up Besser for the power play. Oh yeah, transition. That's huge. And then beyond that, um, like he's within the zone, he has that east-west lateral mobility. Um, he has good vision. He has a really good shot as far as his one-timer. That's yeah. a legitimate secondary threat. Yeah. Um, and it's led to whether it's clean goals or...
0: Stuff um, off or rebounds, hit... yeah. Yeah, so, like, that's just created a lot of havoc in front, and it, it's a, a really fluid group now as opposed to how static it was before. So he's been
1: huge for him not only on the man advantage, but also at even strength. He's moved the puck phenomenally, just a, a transition... Machine one man breakout. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. The connects have really needed a, a defenseman like that on their back end who can uh, contribute offensively and push the pace and play up ice.
0: Yeah, and I think the NHL is definitely moving towards that kind of method of having that one dynamic defender. You look around the NHL, you got your Kale McCars entering the league. There's guys like Quinn Hughes who are absolute poster boys for that. So I think I think this is the way the NHL is going. I think di- the dynamic defender is starting to make a really big push here, and it's nice being one of the earlier teams on that train. When, sorry, train, wouldn't you say so?
1: For sure. I mean, he um, he's a really, really special talent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Alex Biega. When I talked to him early in the year, when he was still in Vancouver, um, he called him a top ten skater in the league. Compared to to Roman Yosi with with how he rose on the ice, and, yeah, and it's just a, such a special skill set that he has, and you often forget that he's only 20 years old, and it's he's still nuts. going to get significantly better. Yeah, and to this point, I mean, I think uh, honestly, I think you're looking at a uh, at a defenseman who, in the future, is is going to challenge for those trophies.
0: Yeah, that's I I like that take too. I'm I'm definitely on board with that. Do you think this is a playoff team, though?
1: I think so. Yeah. I think a lot of it will hinge on on health. Yeah. But you look through these first 15 games, it's not just the fact that they've won, uh, which they have by dominant oh, 100%. Uh, margins. Like, uh, I mean, last I checked, and this probably
0: changed a little bit, but they were tied with Boston for best goal differential, best goal differential in yep. the league. Um, and But their underlying...
1: Signs as far as they're actually controlling play, even strength, they're out shooting and out chancing opponents at five on five, which is yeah. huge because when you're talking about small samples of 10, 15 games, um, metrics like Corsi, which looks at shot 10 percentage yeah. and scoring chance shares, those are the best predictors at helping you establish whether a team's short term success is sustainable over a longer period of time. And by those categories, the Canucks have been top five in the league. Yeah, that which first line—that first yeah, line, like a
0: massive improvement. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So that's one of those things where their underlying profile really looks sustainable. And again, early in the season, schedule is going to get tougher, but um, I, I think they have it in them. Where if they can carry this momentum forward, uh, they definitely have the makeup. They have that combination. I think of. of speed skill and a little bit of size on the wings yeah uh it's just a really balanced team especially with the goaltending they're getting whether it's markstrom or demco they're consistently getting quality play between the pipes Um, so if they stay healthy i definitely think that they're um, in line for to make the
0: playoffs yeah that's another guy i wanted to briefly talk about as well as our other off-season acquisitions in jt miller who has been a great catalyst adding on to that Besser and Pedersen combo. What do you think of, what do you make of JT Miller so far this season?
1: I've really liked what he's done.
0: I yeah. Think. Um, after Lee's Pedersen, there's an
1: argument to be made that he's been the Canucks' best forward so far. Yeah,
0: I would agree. Uh, he's,
1: he, he's been great on the power play as far as when he's bought to the table as in that net front guy, someone who can uh, collect the garbage in front, but also rotate with Horvat and be someone who can find tips and uh, tips and deflections, um, redirections in the high slot. A really smart player in, in how he works below the goal line. and He's an incredibly underrated playmaker with how he's able to operate in tight areas. That um, even strikes he wins a ton of puck battles along the board. It's great on the forecheck, which helps create that offensive possession time, um, which is huge for uh, the Patterson and Besser lines because they've done an exceptional job of managing the puck and making yeah. sure that they consistently have that possession in the O-zone. And that's, of course, where you're going to produce and do most of the damage um, when you're talking about that top line. So he's been instrumental um, in retrieving pucks, pucks and not only having the having the sandpaper and the physical tools to get the puck back,
0: but yeah. thereafter
1: he has uh, the tools to, whether it's set, set uh, Patterson or Besser up, or, or as we've seen through these first 15, 16 games, um, he's been a clinical finisher, so he's been a, a dominant force um, with his ability to drive play and be a yeah. contributor in all facets of the game.
0: Yeah, exactly. And actually, JT Miller last season was, I don't know if you look into Sean Tierney's zone entry graphs much, but i have I was surprised to find that JT Miller was actually deemed like a neutral zone wizard. Based on his stats, he actually had like some crazy neutral zone entry, uh, like entry into the offensive zone stats last year. And I think he was top. I think he, behind Brain Point, actually had the best stats on that Tampa Bay Lightning team, which was almost breaking the best record ever records. So that, that was, that for me was like another dynamic player who we can give the puck to in the neutral zone and just hope for the best, is exactly what we needed. So I, I'm i a huge fan of JT Miller. Another guy who <laughs> I think ha- had been a very big polarizing figure in, on Canucks Twitter especially was Tyler Myers, and we signed him for $6 million a year. What, what do you think of Myers so far? I, I've... I've been actually quite impressed with him.
1: As have I. I think yeah. he's been relatively seamlessly on my top pair. And um, I think we always expected him to be someone who facilitated play up the ice pretty well as far as his ability to lead zone exits and uh, make good outlet passes, skate the puck up ice. Um, and he's been a vital contributor contributor in that, but he's been also really active in jumping up in the play offensively. Yeah, um, He's done a phenomenal job when it comes to just being someone who makes plays with the puck on his yeah. He makes aggressive pitches to hold zone time in the offensive end. Um, he's been active and aggressive in the neutral zone, mm-hmm. which is something that he hasn't typically been in years past. Yeah, And, I mean, you are going to have the odd yikes Giveaway from Tyler Myers yeah we exactly have seen a couple of those so far but I think on the whole the positives have far um, outweighed. outweighed the negatives so far
0: yeah and it helps that he's fit really well with um, Edler who's complimented his game really exactly well. I think the, the key for that mm.
1: pairing is they just have played quick up the ice and they haven't had uh, to defend much without the puck in their own zone which is maybe when someone like Myers gets a little bit more exposed yeah So that's been fun for them, and the success of that pairing is a huge reason why the Canucks have have been as good as they have so
0: far. Yeah, I would agree. I I really hope he does age like Alex Edler, too, because I find big defensemen often go either way, where they either age really well, or they just end up being an absolute pylon by, like, 32 years old. So I'm really hoping that contract looks good in three years. Um, but I guess we'll we'll wait and see. And before I let you go, I want to hear your take on Canucks Twitter. I've seen some great things, but I've also seen some pretty funny things. Like, my favorite right now is I saw Edler for Norris a couple weeks ago, and that just... I, I had to just chuckle to myself. What like what do you make of Canucks Twitter?
1: Uh, well, I think when it comes to things like like I certainly yeah. hadn't seen Ned for ours. Um I think there's always going to be a subset of the market where um it's only natural that with how big the Vancouver fan base is, yeah. you're inevitably, inevitably going to have um a segment that um that they have questionable takes here and there. Yeah. But I think for the most part um I don't think it's passionate. I think Connect's like, Twitter um is knowledgeable um and yeah, they they can be um they they can let their thoughts be known.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but I, I I don't know. Like I look at Toronto's Twitter.
0: Oh yeah, Toronto it's, is. It's a nightmare. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like they, they have a good team and
1: and they'll be freaking out if they're if they only beat a team three two and they didn't look that dominant or yeah. Uh, you know, it's just they're. Like, they freak out of a William Nylander. And it's yeah. like, you look, and he's got 11.16 games. He's exactly, fine. He looks right? fine. So it's just, to me, I think Toronto's fan base kind of puts everything in perspective when it comes to Canucks Twitter. Yeah. I don't have a problem at all with yeah. it. With, uh, with it, I think it's just a passionate fan base that is knowledgeable and, and puts their opinions out there.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think I think it's also so funny looking at arguments sometimes too but overall i would say it is it is a positive thing like what we want is engagement and we are definitely getting that when you go on twitter and you just see massive threads of canucks fans whether they're agreeing with each other or they're absolutely going at it on stuff like the myers signing or uh yeah or the miller trade was another big one and uh Hey, a lot of a lot of pessimists being proved wrong with the return in Myers and Miller so far. So before I let you go, um, Harmon, do you have any final thoughts on anything regarding Canucks, uh, Jason Botchford, or just your experience as a whole with the Athletic? Um, I don't think the, I, I think we covered uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot if there's really
1: anything uh, left to say I just um, I just hope that um, that the team just for the sake of the market it's been last four years haven't been very exciting there hasn't been a lot to cheer for so yeah. um, it's just my hope that the, that the fans of this team get the opportunity to really get behind this group of players and, and just hope that everything works out okay on the injury front And uh, because if it does we're going to be in for one hell of a ride
0: this season. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, Harmon, thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a busy guy, and this was just awesome getting to know your story a little more and your uh, current state. It's so awesome seeing not only a former TWU student, but also just a 19-year-old guy making huge waves in the Vancouver scene of sports journalism.
1: Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Yeah. All right, well... That's the end of our interview, and thank you so much for listening, everyone. Now, to the Spartans Wrap-Up. Just wanted to thank Harmon Dale one more time for coming on. That was just an awesome interview. Great to get to know someone who's made it at such a young age in the sphere of Canucks journalism and journalism as a whole. So, moving on now, we're going to move right into the Spartans Wrap-Up. After winning CanWest West Player of the Year, Janae Robertson won the U Sports Player of the Year to cap off her career as a Spartan. Kristen Sakaki was also named to the U Sports All-First Team. For men's soccer, Jake Ruby was named to the U Sports All-Rookie Team. The North Van Boy had a very impressive first year as a defender for the Spartans. For women's rugby, Tasani Laval is going to be representing... The Spartans as a member of Team Canada for the senior national team in the 15s tournament coming up soon. This isn't her first rodeo. She was a part of the gold medalist Team Canada team in the 2019 Pan American Games in the summer just leading up to this year. So great to see some exposure for TW on the international stage of rugby. The men's basketball team suffered two more tough losses opening their season at 0-2 unfortunately they lost to thompson rivers university on an away stretch they look to battle back as their home opener is tomorrow versus university of northern british columbia jaqueline gilbreth a spartans guard looking to stay hot after his 31 point performance against tru last saturday take a break from your studies or your procrastination and be there at the LEC for the 8 p.m. start. Make sure you go and support the boys. In addition, the women's basketball team also will be squaring off against UNBC after a tough weekend at Thompson Rivers, just like the men's team. They only lost by 3 in that first game. Tough weekend for them, but they'll look like they'll look like they're about to bounce back against UNBC. The men's volleyball team is still ranked number one in the country after improving to 5-1 after sweeping McEwen, not only in games, but in sets last weekend. This is their bye weekend, and Jesse Elser was recently named the U Sports Player of the Week. Very impressive start to the season, but just as impressive, and maybe even more, the women's volleyball team is 6-0. They are ranked number one in the country as well, and... They have their bye weekend this weekend as well. For cross country, this is the big kahuna for them. The youth sports championships are this Saturday for men's and women's. This is their first event since two weeks ago. They had the Ken West Championships. Nick Colen and Joanna Williams will look to add on to their impressive records this season. For men's hockey, the boys will be spending their reading break in Castlegar. Most glamorous plays you can be as they play against Selkirk. The Spartans are undefeated and will be playing against the second place Selkirk Saints. This will be their biggest test so far. It's been an awesome season for that men's hockey team so far. They're just absolutely dominating the BC IHL. If you haven't gone to one of those games, they've been exciting. It's been very Spartan heavy. Some of those games have been a bit ugly if you're a fan of uh, the other teams, but. Those guys are really shaping up for some success this season as they look for their third straight BCIHL title in a row. Anyways, that was an awesome episode. This was episode six. We've decided to scratch the whole pop-up episode and separate episode spiel. So let me explain this to you guys quickly. What the deal is now is we're just going to have every episode be an episode that counts towards the grand total so I've changed all the episodes there's no such thing as a pop-up episode anymore so for example the pop-up formerly known as the pop-up episode with Bailey Broadbent is now actually referred to as episode 2 so if you haven't checked that out it's actually NHL predictions you can see how our predictions are doing so far I have Roman Yossi for Norris in there actually not looking like a bad pick but That is our deal so far, and as we look to make more episodes, we'll probably just be adding on to this grand total and ignoring the whole pop-up episode thing. So, yeah, it's great to be just immersing ourselves in the whole idea of this is just one coherent podcast. If you haven't, you should pick up our last issue of Mars Hill. I believe this was issue four. The theme of it was conservative so with conservative comes tradition and I wrote uh, probably the most passionate piece I've ever written in my life it was about the NHL's tradition of handing off a Stanley Cup not to a player um, who may have had the most points for the team or something like that but actually someone who's been a bit more loyal to the league or to the team itself so for example Jay Bo had like I think under 30 points in the 2018 2019 season but he received the cup before Ryan O'Reilly or Vladimir Tarasenko so you should look into that I go quite in-depth I believe it's around 800 words Of that. It's a really good piece, and I would highly recommend that piece as well as all the other ones. Our Mars Hill team is working hard for you guys. We want to do the best we can to address issues and maybe tear down some perceptions that you have. So, that was an awesome episode, and thank you so much for listening. We got more episodes coming up soon for you guys. If you want to be a guest on the show, Let me know. If you want to write for us, let me know. I would love to talk to you, even if you just want to give us some feedback. I'm a, I'm a new podcaster. I want to hear your guys' opinion on how I'm doing, how we are doing as a team. Any feedback would be highly appreciated. Anyways, thank you so much for listening, everyone, and have a great reading break. Bye bye.